What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of Dual Threat. We have our quarterback, our backup QB stories that will continue, but this week, a different story. Jason Witten, off the field, into the booth, back to the field. I've been looking forward to doing this for a while. I've been talking to his people. They said, all right, we want Witten to go on with you. We think you'll get it. And I want you to hear this, because this guy got destroyed all season long, calling games, and I just want to know where his head was at with all that stuff. So make sure you subscribe. Rate and review to Dual Threat here as part of the Ringer podcast. Just taped a long one with Bill. A lot of hoops there, even some college stuff. So let's start with um, a little pre-roll for you. That's what they call it in the industry. That's the biz term right there. In order to support our show, we'll need the help of some great advertisers. And in order to find great advertisers, we need to learn a little bit more about you. So please go to podsurvey.com slash dual. And take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you a little better. That way we can show advertisers just how great our listeners are. Plus, once you've completed the survey, you can choose to enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash dual, D-U-A-L. Thanks for your help. And look, it is kind of helpful if you guys just do it. So can you please do it? All right. There you go. That's pretty much all we need to know. Jason Witten, the decade plus in the league, one year in the booth. And now back with the Cowboys. We'll ask a Cowboys question in there as well. I'm really happy, man, that you wanted to spend some time here. And and this is a football podcast, but it's also unique for me because I'm with ESPN. I've been there a long time. I don't know the levels to what you've gone through the last year, but now you're back playing for the Cowboys. So let's go back a year. How did it start where you decided, okay, I'm ready to walk away from football, but I'm also interested in a gig with ESPN? Well, I think it, it happened, you know, almost at the same time. I mean, I was preparing for my 16th year, uh, started, you know, training a little bit. We uh, we didn't make the playoffs, so I was obviously anxious to get back at it. That was kind of one of my things that I always did really well was start the off season, start evaluating what I did well, what I need to improve on. And, um, you know, look, I knew I was 15 years in. I was coming down the home stretch. I was aware of that. And, uh, you know, Monday Night Football comes calling. And I think when you go through that, I met with them, really liked the people, thought I could win with them. And, uh, you know, it's a Monday night football chair. Who who wouldn't be interested in that position? And, uh, you know, I talked to Jerry about it a few times and went went to Bristol and met with some of the team and, and um, you know, really liked the guys I could work with and, and thought, you know what, you, you, whenever you have those type of decisions, you know, there's only a handful of those jobs. So they're precious, and you, you're aware of that. I saw Tony kind of walk into the CBS chair the year prior, and I um, just thought long and hard about it and thought, man, as I come down the home stretch, who wouldn't consider the opportunity to go you know, be a lead analyst for Monday Night Football? And uh, so put a lot of time and energy into it, and you know, I think you try to make the decisions you, you can in real time the best way you know how, and that's kind of how I came into it and opportunity to stay around the game in that chair. Um, I just thought it was best at the time. So I'm going to share with you kind of like how I saw some of the stuff as an employee where I've talked with executives that make these decisions and then they go, yeah, okay, that's fine. Thanks for your input, but you don't know what you're talking about. Because I think some people would go, and I've said this to people that make decisions, at ESPN, we're so excited about the biggest name that just retired that we give them the highest priority spots. And 
I don't really know that that makes any sense. I don't know that there's a lot of industries that way where it's the least, not qualified, but the least experienced get the highest profile gigs. And that was certainly the case for you in Monday Night Football. But then the executive would be like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, I'm not an idiot. It'd be great if we could give a Jason Witten five years of seasoning. But we're talking to players now that have so much money in the bank, have all these other opportunities that we have to entice them. So it sounds like if it weren't for Monday Night Football, Jason, you may have played another year. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair to say. I mean, I I, I think, you know, I obviously knew where I was at in my career, but um, and I embraced the fact of going into the big stage. You know, I knew what Monday Night Football was all about. It's ESPN. It's the only night, only game on television that evening. And, and, uh, I knew it wasn't going to be easy. Uh, I also knew kind of my football IQ, how I saw the game. That was always a strength of mine. And, uh, you know, I was coachable. I thought I had a good team around me that, you know, producers and directors and that, that could work with me. And they've worked with a lot of different guys that they could kind of build on my strengths. And, uh, you know, I just dove in head first. And, and, and honestly, I really enjoyed that process of learning television um, you know, I had all spring to kind of we had some practice reps, learning camera angles, to calling some scripted games. You know, from the previous year, and uh, I really enjoyed going with that team. And on the outset, I think I should just say, like, they, ESPN was first class to me. You know, and and the tools that they gave me, and kind of diving into that. And I enjoyed it. I was a fan of football. I loved the game. I loved the X's and O's, communicating that. I felt like I had some insight coming right off the field that I could share, much like what Tony's had success doing with and you know, you go about it and you jump in it. So I didn't really, I almost embraced the opportunity of, yeah, I'm a rookie and I'm just getting into television. There's a lot that I don't know. Certainly that's the case, but I almost embrace like, throw me into the, the, to the deep end. I like going in the deep end. I'm certainly playing for the Cowboys for 15 years. That was the case. And there's going to be critics. I, I didn't really worry about that. And, uh, you know, along the way, I thought as the season went on, we really started to improve. I improved to a point where it's like, okay, I can be good at this. And yeah, there's criticism. Yeah, it's real. It's out there. You know, you certainly are not immune to it. But um, well, let's, I feel let's, like I could handle that. Yeah, let's let's get into that because you got crushed, and it that you had think? to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that as somebody that knows what it's like to. I get done with a show. I don't have a good show. I'm the dumbest person ever. I'm an idiot. I used to listen to you. I'll never listen to you again. And, you know, you can build up a tolerance to it. And I know that I have, but some days it could just be the wrong day. But here, like that was my radio show. This is Monday Night Football. You're this new shiny toy. You're a Cowboys legend. You're a Hall of Famer. Or, you know, you're going to be. And you're getting destroyed by the Internet. What was that like? Well, I think first off, I mean, nobody's immune to it, you know, regardless of how much mental toughness you have or, you know, that was one of the things I kind of prided myself on as a player 15 years is, you know, I could handle the big stage, but, you know, and and, and it's funny because the first thing that I did, my first assignment that I did with with ESPN was I wrote a, a, a column on Twitter and I talked about how it's kind of poisoned to NFL. And I was referencing more like I, I've seen players check it at halftime. I've seen how it's always evolved. And it's happened throughout my career. I mean, think of training camp. You know, you break practice. You didn't have a great practice. Well, guess what? Everybody knows about it. You know, Dak Prescott went uh, nine for 10. He had a great day in seven on seven session. It wasn't like that 10 years ago. And so constantly it's put out there 
whether you want it to be or not, as a player. And so I was referencing as a player, I knew the Twitter narrative and, and how that would kind of uh, roll over. And certainly, I, you know, I took a beating. I, I'm aware of it. And to say, like, hey, you didn't pay attention to it, bullshit. Everybody, everybody pays attention. Everybody's aware. And if you're not, you're lying to me. You know, that, to say that you're just immune to it or, you know, probably everybody outside of Bill Belichick and a handful of others, you know, that, that just don't really care what's being said. But I really always try to keep my head above the spectator line. Am I improving? Trust the people that, you know, are in place that can help me. And I tell you what, Ryan, the, the toughest part was you finish calling a game. And, you know, whether you're flying back that night or going back to the hotel, I, I would check my text. And it was like I, I just, you know, they found out I was sick or something or somebody died in my family. Hey, praying for you. Keep your head up. Don't worry about it. I'm like, my gosh, you know, it wasn't that bad. You know, I said, you know, pull, pull a rabbit out of his head instead of rabbit out of his hat. You know, I mean, you guys knew what I meant, right? And, and it was, a, I screwed up. And, uh, but it wasn't the end of the world in my opinion. And so um, I, I really, I, I wasn't immune to it. it. It, you know, it sucked going through it at times. Once the narrative kind of got formed, I knew that it was going to be a long game approach. And I thought as the season unfolded, when Boog uh, moved up to the booth, uh, I thought we had some two or three really good games and we were starting to kind of hit our stride. And, uh, you know, I didn't make this decision off of the noise, you know, and the criticism. That wasn't why I made this decision. It was really just, I want to play, you know, the scoreboard matters. And I want to be a part of that. And I think everybody you know, that, that's in these chairs or has it been fortunate enough to be in this, this chair as an analyst on, on a big stage, whether it's football, basketball, it doesn't really matter, baseball. You, you, you all come to that conclusion of how you get there in different ways. You know, I mean, think of Troy. He had the concussions. Their team wasn't really good. He had won those Super Bowls. They were almost rebuilding. He was beat up. He made that decision. And he's, he's thrived on Fox. You know, he's done that longer than he played. Uh, Tony, same thing. He had the back injuries. Prescott comes in, plays well. If then Tony certainly could have kept playing, but it was probably going to be somewhere else. You know, does he really want to go somewhere else and play? For me, it wasn't any of that. It was just kind of like, hey, you know, I always consider myself as one of those type of guys that, hey, I'm going to die on the vine. I'm going to play football because I love it. You know, and my my secrets were finding out ways to move the chains. I wasn't a four four guy or. A, 14-foot broad jump guy. I wasn't going to wow you with those things. But I was going to get open. I was going to make first downs. And I was going to contribute to my team as a, as a leader and a captain. And so I, I think when this all kind of presented itself, my mindset was just like, well, maybe it is smart to get off the train before they kick you off, you know, and to walk into this chair. Are you kidding me? you got to really consider it. And I don't know that anybody would have questioned that a year ago. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's the thing is, is it keeps as you you're talking and I'm in agreement because I, I like the thing I understand in the industry, even if you're 50 50 and going, man, I still kind of want to play, but it's Monday night football. You know, as you've been talking to me here in just these minutes, it's, it constantly gets back to, wait a minute, it's Monday night football. It's Monday night football. There's all sorts of things that I want to do, but I know that there's like one or two things where I just stop everything I was doing and I would go, you know, people would be like, wait a minute, I thought you moved to LA to do this or do that. And be like, well, well, yeah, but whatever. This opportunity came up. Like everything's on the back burner now. So right. I, I kind of get that. I want to get to the Romo thing there, though, because I think Romo helped you get the gig. But then I think once you started and you weren't Romo, it it hurt you more. Whereas if there were no Tony, maybe you don't get the Monday Night Football booth, 
But if there were no Tony, I don't know. Like, it, and you you also said there too, where I thought it was really revealing and very on point is that once it started snowballing, oh, Jason Witten sucks, Jason Witten sucks, then everybody was in on the joke, and it became this weekly appointment thing where everybody wanted to rip you on Monday. Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things. One, you know, it was different in that, you know, we were, even though Tessator had been doing television for 20 years and had a great voice, we were all new to Monday Night Football, you know, Booger and Joe and I, all three of us, which was different than probably what Tony walked into. Not that one was, you know, harder or easier than no, the no, other. No, no, but it's a good point. Right, uh, right. I mean, it's Nance. And, and then and he did, he crushed it, man. And he, he did something that I think we had never seen before. And that was, he was telling us the answer to the test before we saw it. And as a fan, we all love that. You know, he's telling us what's going to happen on this play. And then it, sure enough, it would happen. And, um, you know, then, then you come to the point of, well, do you want to play that game? Because, you know, some of the things that I know as a you know, football player coming right off the field and playing tight end, kind of seeing it a little bit like a quarterback, but then also seeing the other parts of it as a route runner and coverage and um, the inside part of the game of running game. Uh, you know, maybe not completely like a quarterback does, but I felt like that that always kind of came easy to me. Um, you know, how do you go about it? And and look, Tony was unbelievable. He is unbelievable at it. And you know, certainly I, I believe that he helped me get that, right? I mean, he had so much success. It's like, why not? I mean, let's let's go with another guy. But you know, I think that when you when you pull back on it, it it got to that point where I think narratives and opinions get formed and it's hard to break that with anything in, in these industries. Right. I mean, you've experienced that in, in, in your career. Sure. And at that point I didn't really panic. I just, as I said, no, I wasn't immune to it. You know, it kind of sucked going through it because you, you know, you're struggling in front of 20 million people at times. Um, but, but the hardest part was for me, it was like, okay, you have to take a long game approach here. Are we improving? And you're going to win it over the long haul. You're going to win it over time as you do it. And, you know, I, I use some tools where you, you kind of make fun of yourself. You you uh, jump back in it. You own it. I, I do think that, you know, authenticity always wins. Just be real. And I thought we started to kind of hit a stride there towards the end. But I, I would, you know, be remiss if I didn't say that had it really had nothing to do with my decision to leave. Um, I, I think we were heading in the right direction. Okay, so – if you had crushed it this year and everybody liked you and they go, hey, Witten's the best, and you realize, okay, ESPN, as you say, long game, like this could be a 10-plus-year kind of gig, and that kind of TV money starts getting insane, do you th- you think you still would have come back and played this year no matter what? I don't know. You know, I mean, I think uh, that's a good question. I think the biggest thing that I probably underestimated uh, when I went through this decision was because I, I knew I was – getting towards the end of my career um, and, and the opportunity to go be around the game, I, I knew those didn't grow on trees. And when I talked to Jerry about that, I mean, that's what he said. I mean, hey, look, we're a better team with you on our football team, but my goodness, Jason, this is an opportunity for, for a long time, potentially, down the road. And uh, Can and, I jump in Jerry real quick? Great. Can I jump in yeah. on a Jerry thing? Because there's a theory with Jerry that he likes having all of you guys on all these prime spots with Troy and Tony and now you. Is is this him really behind the scenes moving all these pieces around or are we just kind of too in love with these conspiracy theories? I think it's a little bit of conspiracy theory. I think really, if you know, Jerry, I mean, first off, I mean, he's extremely loyal and he, he genuinely wants 
his guys to be successful. He takes pride in seeing his guys come through his system, his program, mentoring them over the years. I mean, the guy's got so much wisdom. He's the smartest guy I've ever met. You know, he's got charisma off the charts. I mean, he's like Brad Pitt, you know. I mean, his charisma is unbelievable. Um, But I really felt like he was able to kind of unemotionally pull back where I was kind of emotional on the whole thing, you know. And he's able to kind of unemotionally pull back and, and talk it through and offer some unbelievable advice. And yeah, it probably doesn't hurt the Cowboys that he has three guys on, on the big stage. Um, but more than that, without a question, I, I think he, he likes to see his guys successful. He likes to have an impact on their career and see them go on and have success. And I, I genuinely, I couldn't have done it without him. I really, you know, I leaned on him hard during that process and, you know, that's every owner's not doing that. And uh, yeah. I was grateful for that and his ability to pull back and um, make that decision. But, but really I think as it unfolded, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're scripting it of, okay, this is a perfect transition. And I probably didn't think through the fact of how much of a competitor I still was, you know, and how much I, the, the score really mattered to me. And I remember calling my first game and we called Oakland and, and the Rams and, the Rams ended up, uh, you know, it was the return of you know, Chucky and John Gruden. It was electric. It was awesome, you know, and I studied. I studied my balls off, man. I mean, I went through it, and, you know, I was watching 2006 tape of Tampa Bay and the offense that John was running and, of course, Sean McVay and what he, you know, the success that he was having, and I was ready. You know, I enjoyed that part of the preparation that goes into it, that a lot of players, when they enter television, and you know this, Ryan, they don't. They don't enjoy the work. And it's an art, man. It's, so you it's like a the lot work. of work. You like the, the it work. Is. There wasn't like, okay, I got the money. Because some guys I've worked with, it's like, okay, cool, I get the title, I get the paycheck, I get out of the house a couple weekends a month. Oh, wait, you want me to, like, study? <laughs> I kind of want yeah. So that didn't bother and, you. And I, I, I really enjoyed that part of it, you know. And our producer Jay Rothman, he was fantastic. I yeah, feel like Jay's great. He was a he was a football guy, you know. And in the last nine years, he was working with John Gruden, which I mean, nobody watches more tape than him as, as an announcer, you know. I mean, he was watching all that tape, and so he shared with me some of that stuff. And I enjoyed the week, you know, of, of studying the tape, seeing how the game was going to play out. You know, a lot of that stuff never made television, just because it's it, you're deep in the weeds with football uh, that nobody really cares about. Um, but but it, it did help with your preparation. I love that, the you know, working on that throughout the week as I kind of got my, my schedule uh, intact. And, um, you know, I, I really did. I enjoyed that part of it. But I, I think what I probably, um, you know, didn't think through well enough during that process, just during that first game, we finished. And the Rams kind of started to take away in the fourth quarter. And I remember, you know, they would always kind of tell me their notes, you know, the next day or the, you know, a couple of days after the team would kind of send over how they thought the game went. They were great with that. Yeah, so what did, what did they say as things, you know, seemed to snowball a little bit? Like, how were the people coaching you week to week talking to you? Because I can imagine, like, part of it's trying to get you better, but also dealing with the fragileness of, like, everybody's different. We don't want to freak this guy out either. Cause like it, it's already, it's bad enough when social media is against you, but we got to make sure we prop our guys up here. How did they handle that? They did a really good job of it. You know, honestly, look, I think as a player, let me just say this as a player, you know, regardless of what the criticism is when you play and, and you know, you drop a pass, it's going to score a game winning touchdown. You're going to get criticized. But I really always felt like coaches and decision makers, they never really, allowed the outside noise to affect 
a decision they made on a play call or who's playing or wh- where you're at in a game. And I didn't really know in television because, you know, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, the narrative does kind of decide which way you go as, as an organization. So you have to listen to that as far as I felt like the bosses needed to keep up with it. And certainly I'm sure they did. And, um, uh, you know, they couldn't have been pleased with some of that uh, feedback they were getting. But I, I thought they did a really good job kind of staying above that as well. You know, like, hey, we support you. We're with you. You did a good job, you know, and they'd point out the things that you did good. And, um, you know, I always – I told them on the outset, like, hey, look, man, I got a lot of confidence, and I have no problem being critical of myself. And so I want you to be critical of me. Like, don't beat around, you know. And, and I heard when I got into television, like, hey, it's different than playing. You don't get a lot of feedback and, you know, no news is good news and all that kind of stuff. And it, 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 that was not the case for me. They would send me notes. They would tell me, hey, this is good. need to clean up this. You know, be tighter here. You know, we didn't really understand what you were saying when you gave that example, you know, on that replay. <laughs> Wait or, a minute. They would, yeah. they would break down something on a replay that they didn't understand? That's good. Oh, yeah. Honestly, Jason, this is rare. It actually is rare that you would get this much. Now, granted, it's Monday night, and you're in this really important role. So I think for that kind of production, this is more common. But I would tell you firsthand of being around this industry for a long time, a lot of times it's just like, hey, we'll throw you guys out there, and the guys that figure it out get a second contract, and the guys that don't, you're gone. Right. Yeah. But they, they were, man, and I would send them my notes. That's cool. I'd say, hey, look, this is how I looked at the game. Here's the things I did, thought I did well. Here's where I, I didn't do so well and need to clean up. You know, could we have got to this camera angle on that replay? I think that would help me make my point. Or, you know what, I, I did a bad job in talking to that, you know, I was talking about something when the replay was completely different and, you know, I, the viewers were seeing one thing and I was talking about another. So they were, they were fantastic from, from that approach of getting better. And so I thought the bosses were always, uh, very supportive. Um, you know, when, when, you know, kind of shit hit the fan, so to speak, you know, and, and narratives started to get formed and we began to get crushed. But, um, uh, I think what I probably didn't understand was in that fourth quarter of that game that I was talking about, the the Rams yeah, and, and, and Raiders, one, right. the, the Rams started to kind of pull away. And at the, at the end of the game, or maybe it was like a, a TV timeout right before the end, uh, somebody said to me, you know, on the talk back there, like, hey, man, keep your energy up. You know, the game's not over till uh, you know, we get off the air. You know, and I kind of felt it because, you know, you're up two scores, three scores at the end of the fourth, right? I mean, you're in four-minute offense as a player, as a coach. You know, don't screw anything up down the stretch. And I kind of realized at the end of that game, it's different, you know, because it's over. And you hope you you brought the viewer a great game. And I really missed that experience of did we win or did we lose? What did I contribute to the game? You know, how did it play out? And and then going back and, and doing it again the next week. And so that was something that I guess when I think back on it, I probably, uh, you know, didn't give myself enough credit or think through of like, hey, you really, you need that. And, hey, when you make a decision to come back, how much is left? People are going to question that. I get that. But I, I got a lot of confidence in my ability that I think that I can come back and, and contribute. And however that plays out, we'll see. But you try to make those decisions in real time, just like I did a year ago. And that's what I did. And now I'm you know, kind of going all in as a player. Hey, we'll get back to Jason Witten. And I want to ask him at the end of this thing what he thinks about the Cowboys and the Cowboys discussion. What bothers him the most about this team? Doubts about his coach and quarterback. But you know this, ZipRecruiter, hiring used to be hard. 
multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done, ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. By the way, there was this thread on Twitter about how names are mispronounced. It was the worst content, the most self... Look, I can have an ego. I do. But... No one cares about your personal journey through your life, about your name being mispronounced or somebody not knowing the spelling, okay? Like, it's it's drivel. That's a good word. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. Guess what? They spell your name right. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. There you go. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80%, that's right, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. How about that? one-day to-do lists. That's what I'm talking about. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan, R-Y-E-N. ZipRecruiter.com slash Ryan. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Back on that thread for just a second, though. Yeah, sometimes people don't, like, hey, Brian? No, Ryan. (laughs) That's totally understandable. Ryan with an E. Oh, I bet you people get that wrong all the time. That's a curveball. Yeah, they do. And you know what? I don't care if people get it wrong. I expect, I accept, I don't worry about it. Yeah. I don't start a tweet. Oh, my whole life, everyone (laughs) assumes my name's with an A. You want to know why? Because that's the way you're supposed to spell it. (laughs) My parents did something a little different. They're unique name parents. You know, I'm a child of the 60s, even though I'm not. And I drove cross country in a VW bus. At like one or two. I don't know. I don't have a ton of memories. It wasn't because of drinking. It was because I was one or two. But I don't I don't care. I expect people to get my name wrong. So if you have a slightly different pronunciation or you're missing. I used to have a roommate named John. He was a J-O-N. He'd lose his shit when there was an H in anything that was addressed to him. Oh, come on. Dude. And you just go, John, lighten up. Of all the shit, all the battles that you're going to have to fight the rest of your life, give up on that one. Okay. Just concede. God. It was, I just kept going. I kept reading it because I was like, all right, I'm hate reading this stuff now. All right. I know you guys want to get back to Jason Witt. But before we do that, looking for a high protein snack. By the way, this thing is high in protein and low in carbs. Check out Just the Cheese. Kyle loves these. Love it. Jalapeno is my favorite. Jalapeno is his favorite. Made by a family-owned cheese company in Wisconsin. Where else do you want your cheese to come from? Just the Cheese launched last year and is already a top 100 grocery product on Amazon, as well as Amazon's choice for keto snacks. The idea came from a bunch of cheese heads who were eating grilled cheese sandwiches and felt the best parts were the crunchy pieces that had melted off in the pan. That actually makes a ton of sense. So they decided to create a snack from 100% baked Wisconsin cheese. Each pack contains two bars, eight grams of protein, and less than one gram of carbs, plus they're sugar-free, gluten-free, and shelf-stable. It's the perfect grab-and-go snack for your laptop bag, gym bag, or whenever you want something satisfying. Hey, was it chest day? I can tell you have a bag of Just the Cheese. (laughs) Hop on Amazon or JustTheCheese.com and use the promo code DUAL10OFF. That's D-U-A-L-10, the numbers here, 10OFF, and get 10% off. That's promo code DUAL10OFF for 10% off. Great after a heavy day. Was there ever a moment during the season where it got so bad and doing Monday Night Football 
where you did look out at the field and you thought to yourself, or maybe you were on a flight home, or maybe you were on the in the car service to the airport, where you're like, "Fuck this, I just want to play again." <laughs> no, I didn't have that. Um, you, you know, I did have this feeling. We, I felt like we called the game of the year. We had the Rams and and, and the Chiefs. Yeah, that was, it was supposed awesome. to be in Mexico City, and it got moved to L.A. And there hadn't been a Monday Night Football game there in thirty some years. And it was it was electric, you know. It was a high scoring game. Both teams scored over fifty points. I mean, it was just a, a football dream. I think as a fan, I think to watch those type of offenses, it was like college football hit prime time. Two of the best teams, both undefeated, and at the end of that game, and I thought I, that was one of our best games. I screwed up the very end. I thought I had a really clean <laughs> game. Never, what was the at screw the, up? At, at, at the at the very end, um, Ebucam was the guy's name. And he got a sack and I just couldn't spit it out. I mean, I said it like seven times. I don't know if you saw it, but it was a key time of the game. And I I bet I said it like four or five times. And then finally, Tessator is like number 50 Samson Ebicam, you know, and I'm like, thank God he covered for me there at that moment. Um, But I'm like, crap, you know, and of course it's just like, it's replaying. I I mean, everybody saw it. And besides that moment, I thought like, that was kind of a coming out party for me because it was so much ball and it's just like, call it how you see it. It was a great game. The energy was awesome. It was off the charts. And I, and I, I think that was the first time I felt at the end of that game, like, man, I'd love to have been playing in that game, you know? And if I ever get that opportunity to play and I think I can still, cause it's, it's, it is fleeting. Football's fleeting. It's going to end. It's, you know, I'm 36 years old. It's, it's going to end soon for me. Um, but to get back in there and and kind of get in the boat with with the football players and go after it, and I don't know if I'll ever get another chance. I like TV. I did. I, I enjoyed it, and uh, thought we improved and we're going to win it over the long long game. I just it was that simple of like if I ever get a chance after that game, I felt like that was when I felt that fire, you know, of competing and, and the player came out of me, you know. And I think everybody has to come to that decision at a different time, and I just felt like. There's still something left in the tank to go out there and play. I'm all for it. I never want you guys to retire. I'm serious. Like, especially as I get older, I just go, you know, keep, keep playing. Cause I've had friends that have retired. And as soon as they're back that first year, they're like, man, you know, if I could have kept playing, I, I have a couple thoughts. And if you go back to TV, when you told the ESPN you were out, how did they handle it? Did they try to talk you out of it? No, they were great. They were great. You know, I mean, uh, did that bother you? They they didn't try to talk you out of it. (laughs) No, I mean, you know, I think they were all in with me, you know, and, and, uh, I think they were too. Yeah. I mean, look, trust me, if, if Peyton Manning said he wanted that job, I mean, look, he's going to get that job, you know I mean? (laughs) Just to your point of they're going to want these guys. I mean, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play, you know, but I, I think when they made that decision, they were committed to us. And, um, you know, from that standpoint, there was a lot of opportunity. I was going to do a show, take over the Gruden show in the spring, where I thought there was ways that I could win it back over time, you know, of the football side of me that, I don't know, I, I felt like people connected with that when I started talking ball, uh, much like when I played. And it, it was just, it took a while for me to get there, you know, and, and a little bit longer than I anticipated, you know, where you don't have to be so scripted, you can just you know, call the game how you see it. And so I, I just, it, it took a little time. That's all I can say. Um, and was it perfect? Hell no, it wasn't perfect. You know, we still had a long way to go. I had a long way to go, but, uh, but yeah, they were great. You know, I mean, they were, and I think with ESPN maybe different than other networks, I could be wrong. 
you know, they, they have that a lot of times, you know, with coaches and different things where they get a year and they do it. And Bruce Pearl did it, right? I mean, did television for a couple of years and then they go back into coaching. Chip Kelly did it, you know? And so I felt like ESPN's had some of those experiences. And uh, so they were, they were great when I went through that. And, you know, I'm sure it allows them a chance to reboot and, and uh, get it right. So the shaved head. I, I got to ask you, what you freaked out the social media world in a different way this weekend. And as somebody who had to give up a while ago myself, w- did we go, did we go assistance for the TV show? And then you were like, ah, I don't feel like dealing with this anymore. Update us on that. Cause I think more people are worried about that question that I asked it than anything else. In this entire year. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, first of all, I just say, you know, it's time to come home, man. You know, Scott Van Pelt has the great lines. Time to come home. I came home. Uh, I think more than anything, it was the power of makeup and angles. Uh, you know, I was right on the Mendoza or maybe below. There was no receding that, there? You know, it looked good in the front and, and you know, there was a little bit in the back there. And, no kidding. You know, power of makeup it can do wonders, you know, but there wasn't anything like, you know, people always used to say things. I, I get a, uh, you know, when I did read it, I, I would get a good chuckle out of it. Like, hey, man, what's Witten got going on? You know, what did he do? And, you know, just. So you would read the tweets. Makeup like, can do wonders. You jumped into it every now and then. You would you would allow yourself to have like all right this is gonna suck I'll read my mentions. Yeah, you know, I think like uh, I could be wrong in saying this, but you, if you're working that hard and you want to be good at something, mm-hmm. you better know what the narrative is out there. I mean, you can't just be immune to it and just like oh, I don't listen to the outside noise. I don't. Now it can't define you. It can't, you know, you can't change who you are, so to speak, just to try to get approval because that's 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 good. that's a rough road, you know, especially in television. That's a rough road because there is not there's not a score, you know. So if you're just trying to keep up of, hey, he needs to be more critical or he needs, to, you can't change who you are. But there there are some good points out there if you can get past it. So I I, I enjoyed seeing it. You know, I wasn't sensitive to it. You know, I'd be like. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. You know, probably should have touched on that one. Uh, but some of the other stuff, like I just laughed and chuckled. You know, just people thought you, you know, got like plugs. Yeah, people thought you went like that. So you didn't go Erlacher here. You went. You just were like, that was. Was it so stressful? You lost that much hair. Or you're just talking angles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think just the the power of makeup, man. It God. does it does wonders for you. And uh, are I you mean, liking a shaved head though? You know, it's just it's it's uh it takes a little bit to get adjusted to, but I mean. Look, I think you, you you go through it, and you, you you can't allow that to get in the way. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. all right, those are just people just kind of, you know, it's Twitter. It's just part of it, you know? Um, and no, then, I do. Yeah, you know, no, I, I, I know it well. I mean, this thing is, is more often than not, none of it bothers me. And then every now and then I'll be like, eh, that one. That one well, stings. people say like, oh, I didn't see that. You know, I don't read anything. Well, yeah, you do. I mean, we all keep up. You know, you're lying to me if you said you didn't. You didn't read it, or you don't know what's yeah. kind of being said out there. I just uh, maybe Bill Belichick. I would say yeah. he probably really doesn't. You know, and you know when you get that many championships, your form. And, and look again. I think as a player, look, I took criticism throughout my career, different times. I've had adversity my whole life uh, along the way in, in the journey. But more than anything else, when you're in the deep end, that's going to happen. When you're a big-time player or you're on a big-time stage like Monday Night Football, there's going to be criticism. And you cannot let that allow that to affect you to a point where it's changing who you are or you're, or you're trying to get approval at all times because you're not going to win that. 
you know? And I think that's when, when I was able to kind of figure that out, it was like, all right, perfect. You know what I mean? Just call the game the best way you can and you'll improve over time. And I think you, you, you can't just say like, Hey, I'm going to do what I do and, and, and not worry about it. You still have to improve. I knew yeah. I had to, you know, it was going to be a long jump to, to become good at television. Um, and it is, it's, it's an art that these guys do. I mean, something, and I'd watch all these guys, you know, when I was starting to prep and I got a lot of respect for them, you know, the, the, you know, Kirk Herbstreets and Troy and Tony, and these guys are really good at it, you know, but you can't allow an approval rating to, to kind of conform who you are, you know? And for me, it's like, as great as that was, and we did, uh, we did a college national championship. We did, we obviously didn't call the game, but we did a little side piece. And, uh, for, for, I think it was like ESPN news we did. And then we called the Super Bowl for, uh, Australia and New Zealand and some of those places. And being in those venues back to back weeks kind of hit me like it's great calling a game. It really, it's unbelievable calling a game and being a part of it. But it's not playing. I'm not having an impact on the whether we win or lose the game. And I think more than anything else, it was that simple of I want to be in the game. You know, I, I want to be a part of that. And you know, um, uh, look, I know I didn't even play Jason, and I'll sit at home and watch all these games, and I'm like. Sweet. The Nuggets, you know, you gotta take them seriously, you know, and, and you get the chance to go back and do it. I'll tell you this. If you ever do TV again, I'm going to give you two pointers right now. Don't prep as much as you did because I used to prep so much that I let the prep get in the way of the actual flow of what I was doing for radio shows. And number two, when you screw up, own it. And if you couldn't pronounce Ecubon's name, just go, man, I'm so excited. I can't even get the names out right, Tess. And then the public turns and starts to like you. It's weird. It's like, oh, man, he just owned his mistakes. Like, I always think the best broadcasters are the one because we all screw up all the time. Live events, there's no perfect broadcast. And so when you screw up, you just go, all right, you know, and you kind of you smoothen out the, the rough edge live in front of the audience. And it works. And if you do it again because of everything you went through and the chance to go back, I already know you're going to be five times, ten times better. I just know you will. Yeah, and I think I will. I mean, yeah. look, I think as it unfolded, I, I started to do that. You know, I'm like, hey, and booger in the Twitter's booth. I think like helped. this right now. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah. hey, you know, we're we're getting criticized, and so you take little subtle jabs. You know, I, I, I the, the rabbit out of the head and comment. <laughs> I said something about that. You know, after that, and you know, look, I think just trying to be real. Um, you know, I always just say, you know, the truth will set you free. You know, I mean, just go ahead and say it. But back to you know, playing. I think. There's a, there's a great Teddy Roosevelt quote that I used to have, and Coach Garrett gave it to me a long time ago. And it's a famous one. It's not, I'm not breaking any, uh, anything to you here, but uh, he, he had the man in the arena. And it, it's something along the lines of, you know, at, at the end, the best in the end, uh, he, he experiences high achievement. Who are at the worst, if he fails, he, he fails while daring greatly something along those lines. And I think that's just simple, the most simple way I can put plan, you know, that you want to, you, you, you want to be in the deep end, you want to play and, and as long as you can and experience that. And, um, everybody comes to their own realization in real time of, okay, when's that done? Is it 40? Is it 45? When is it, a, is it a bad back injury, you know, that, that gets you there. And, um, you know, I probably try to, you know, script it perfect. I didn't, and um, you know, made the decision. But come on, man! I mean, look at this journey for me. Play 15 years for the Cowboys, walk into that chair, 
uh, of Monday Night Football and now have an opportunity to play again. I mean, it's been incredible, man. I'm, I'm so thankful to have this, and I got n- no complaints, you know. And I realized that when I was in Monday Night Football. Like, let's not feel sorry for ourselves here. You know what I mean? Like, we're, we're calling Monday Night Football. And uh, so I never allowed myself to, like, you know, pity parties or feel sorry for myself from that standpoint because um, I, I knew what the big stage was all about. And I, and I felt like I was prepared for that, you know, when I entered in uh, on Monday Night Football. All right, final thing here, because I at least have to ask you one Cowboys question, and that is, now that you've done it, and then you see how, especially because it's the Cowboys, how those of us that are talking heads are just obsessed with whatever whatever dramatic storyline, it's Garrett doesn't know what he's doing, Dak has regressed, give me the thing that you hear the talking heads say about the Cowboys that you think we all have totally wrong, the thing that you think we just whiff on when it comes to Cowboys and understanding who this team is? Well, I don't know that I, I guess if I'd say one thing, I, I, I think Dak Prescott's going to be a really good player. He is a good player. I mean, look at his record. Um, I think early on, look, they just, after Dez wasn't here, I was no longer here. You know, they, 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 they probably didn't have that big time receiver that you can lean on. So a lot of criticism went to Dak. And then when they got Amari Cooper, they kind of got on a roll and you know win the division and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think Dak is going to be that type of player. We've never seen the combination of, or very rarely do we see the combination of ability to kind of create and on the on the edge, kind of the college players that are entering the league now, along with still being a pocket passer. And so I think is he evolving? Does he still have room to grow? Certainly, he'd be the first to say that. Um, and with Garrett, I mean, I think, you know, look, everybody's their own opinion, right? I mean, of, of how it evolves. I, I do think, you know, people see this kind of rigid, you know, he claps, he's, he's you know, what, what's he doing in the game? I mean, he's really smart. He prepares. He also delegates, you know, and some, some of that responsibility in the game. And so I, I think his team responded. And when they got three and five, I think it's, it's full of a, a good roster, that can compete. What, what level does that mean? I mean, there's other rosters that are good. So it's not like they're head and shoulders above anybody or we're head and shoulders above anybody, but I think it's good enough. And that, that enticed me to say, okay, we have a good roster. Guys love football. They compete their ass off. Um, and, uh, they know what it takes to, to go to that next level. And I can go in, go back and be a part of it. And my biggest thing in coming back is I didn't want those guys to feel like, okay, big brother's coming home. I got to go sleep on the couch. You know, it's their team just as much as my team. You know, and I'm coming back to play my role. And people are going to like, are you going to embrace however many snaps? And look, all that works itself out. You know, it's pro football. You got to win. There's no rebuild. You don't have time for any of that. And uh, so all that will work itself out for me. And uh, my thing is just go back in there with the guys. I love it. You know, and, and, and truthfully, I approached this job for 15 years the same way. You know, like I was an undrafted free agent. Every time I woke up and I drove into to the star in this facility, I thought, okay, how, how am I going to improve today? Because somebody's coming for your job, regardless if you're in your first year, your Pro Bowl year, or you're 15 years in. And so that's not going to change for me. I'm going to approach it the same way. Be a good teammate, help those guys out. And all that stuff will work itself out, you know. And I'm just uh, glad that they wanted me back and could have me in here. And, look, they don't need to look over their shoulder. You know, it's their team. They, they're, they're ready for this. They won a division last year, won playoff game, had a chance against the Rams. So, 
you know, that, that all, you know, I think oftentimes we, we try to think all that through of what that's going to do with the leadership. They're fine. I mean, get along with them. We have the same goal, you know, and how can I help? And you go share that commitment and go work your ass off and see what happens. And that's what I'm kind of excited to do. And how long does that last? I don't know, you know, but I think I can live with whatever happens. And, and, uh, you know, a TV was a good experience for me. I got better in that year. I got to see 30 other teams, 31 other teams, how they build a team, how they go out and play. Um, I felt like I improved as a leader. Is kind of my knowledge around the league of what wins, what's successful. I think I got better sitting in the Monday night football chair. Well, I'll tell you this. You sound totally at peace with it. I don't know you. I don't claim to know you well or anything like that. Uh, but watching for afar, or from afar, see, it's not easy. Um, it's it just, I'll I'm read not... your Twitter mentions after this podcast goes, you know, or some people have some criticism. You probably should read yours after this. Cause I think people that didn't know you and maybe had an opinion and made a joke here or there are just going to hear a guy that sounds like just a real good dude. And I can't wait to see you back out there. Very few people walk the earth. that are probably more comfortable on a Sunday in a game on the field on a Sunday than in the booth on a Monday. And it, and it sounds like you're back home where you should be. So I'm, I'm really pumped for you, man. I appreciate it, man, and uh, I admire your work. I know it's not easy. You and Bill do an unbelievable job, and you know sometimes you got to, you know, got to be willing to go to the hot sauce takes. You know, I mean that's what it takes sometimes. And you guys kind of, you got to live on that gray area where sometimes you take some shots, but it's not too big of a shot. And so I've been a big fan of y'all's podcast for a long time, man. Keep it up. Awesome. Thanks, man. Want to thank Jason Winton. Want to thank Kyle. Just because we do, we need to do that. Thanks. Keep subscribing. Rating and reviewing to our dual threat pod that we're keeping this thing going. We're going to have great draft coverage for you. And you know what we're going to do? We're not going to do our power rankings of teams 12 minutes into free agency and before the draft. We're going to do it after. It's a weird concept, I know. Looking for a high-protein snack? You heard me talk about Just the Cheese that's low in carbs and isn't the usual boring beef jerky or nuts. Check out Just the Cheese. One pack has two bars that are kind of like crunchy granola bars, except they're made of 100% cheese. Plus, they contain 8 grams of protein, less than 1 gram of carbs, and they're sugar-free and gluten-free. Hop on Amazon or JustTheCheese.com and use the promo code DUAL1010 off. That's DUAL10 off for 10% off. Talk to you guys next week.